The following audio is from Jacob's Well Church. For more information about Jacob's Well Church, please visit www.jacobswellgb.org. I grew up the youngest of five kids, as many of you know, in St. Louis, Missouri. And one of my memories of growing up was always going to the sporting events of my older siblings, especially my older brother, Scott, and my older sister, Kim. We were all in line to go to Parkway West High School because West is best, is what we used to say. And uh, I would watch my brother. He played football for Parkway West, and, and he played baseball for Parkway West. He was a great athlete. My sister was maybe even a better athlete. She played basketball for Parkway West. She played volleyball for Parkway West. She actually went on to play for an elite program in college in volleyball. And so when I was a young kid watching my brother and sister play in high school, I thought, man, I really want to do that. And I was so excited to play these sports when I got to high school. So I got to high school and I tried out for basketball and I got cut. Tried out for baseball and I got cut. I even tried out for men's volleyball and got cut. I made football and I played rugby. Later on in life, after seminary, I realized, you know what? Those were the only two sports that they had no cuts in. So the only sports I made were the sports that had no cuts. But for those other sports, I was just on the outside looking in, wishing that I could be a part of those teams, wishing that I could be a part of that community. You might be here today because you have seen someone who has a relationship with God, and you aren't quite sure what's going on in their life, but you know that you want it. Maybe you see the community of Jacob's well, and you know that they're not perfect. You know that we're not perfect, but you see a hope in them. You see a purpose in them. You see a manner about them, a joy about them, and you feel like you're on the outside looking and saying, I want that for me. And you're wondering, how do I get it? Can I make the cut? Well, today we're going to look at that very story and see how can you come into the fold of God, the people of God, and enjoy all the benefits of being a part of that people. If you would please turn to John chapter 10. It's page 896 in the Red Bible. Page 896, page 1317 in the Children's Bible. Our series title, as many of you know, is I Am. These are, this is the, the name that God gives for himself in the Old Testament. When Moses says, who should I say sent me? God says, tell them the I Am sent you. So this is the name God uses for himself, but it's also what you, Jesus uses to describe himself to his people, especially in the book of John. In the book of John, there are seven I Am statements, Okay. We've covered two. Do I, just curious. Do you know the two that we've covered so far? I am the light of the world. Good. One more. I am the what? Bread of life. Okay, the youngs get bonus points today. So we've covered I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. And now we're going to cover what seems like the most bizarre of all the I am statements. Jesus says, I am the door. Okay? So that's what we're going to cover today. And we're going to see the glorious hope that rests in this fact that Jesus is the door. Read along with me, John 10. I'll read verse 1 through 10, and then I'll skip down and read verse 16. John 10, verse 1. 
This is Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Skip down to verse 16. We'll come back and do 11 through 15 next week. Verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Let's pray. God, as we sit under your word today, as we hear this peculiar saying, I am the door, show us the good news. Show us the delight of our shepherd, Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. At first look, this passage seems simple, but it's actually pretty complicated unless you understand the culture that's being spoken into, okay? And Jesus is speaking of three different sheep pens, all right? And we'll walk through them. One is the sheep pen of Judaism. One is the sheep pen of the Gentiles. And Gentile simply means people that are not Jews, okay, which is most of us. And then the third sheep pen is the sheep pen of of Christ. And so those are the three sheep pens we're going to look at today. And the question is, which sheep pen are you in? Which sheep pen do you want to be in? Which is the best sheep pen? And how do you get there? Can you make the cut? Or do you just have to stand on the outside looking in? So that's what we're going to look at. So we're going to look at those three sheep pens. First, the pen of Judaism. The, in verses one through five, Jesus is talking about the sheep pen of the Jews, okay? This is a good sheep pen, a sheep pen set up by God. And the illustration that Jesus is using is the illustration of an urban or a city sheep pen, which is different than a rural one, okay? And there's some unique features, and I have lots of pictures for you today. I, I did a worldwide tour on Google and brought to you some of the best pictures. So this would be an example of a city sheep pen, okay? Some of the distinguishing features on it is that there might be many flocks that come into this. Shepherds would drop off their sheep, go do their business, come back and pick up their sheep. You can go to the next picture. Here's another one. You see that there is a gate on the sheep pen in which the shepherd would keep the sheep in and then lit in shepherds as they came to pick up their sheep. Go ahead and go to the next one. 
You can see here's an example of another one. Go ahead and go to the next slide. I think there's one more picture. Here you actually see there's, you can't see because it it's folded back, but there's a gate here. And the, the, the doorkeeper would stand at the entrance. And when the shepherds would come, he would let them in the door. And so those are the pictures of a urban or city sheep pen, okay? A modern day illustration of this might be like that parking lot downtown by APAC and Coco's. You know, you pull your car in. There's a gatekeeper, you get your ticket, you go in, you come out the same gate, but you park your car and you go and you do your business, you come back, you get your car and you drive out. Hopefully, they're looking over the cars even a little bit to make sure that no one is, is stealing them. So if a car alarm goes off or something, they call 911. But you go in the gate, you come out the gate, you pay the gatekeeper, you go and do your business. And so this is a picture of what a city sheep pen would look like, except it would be sheep and not cars. And so Jesus uses this illustration in the first five verses. So let's read verse one again. The Pentateuchism. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, the sheep pen, by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. A legitimate shepherd has no need to climb over the walls. Because he can come right in the sheep gate. And so what we see here, what Jesus is telling us, is that the sheep pen of Judaism has had false shepherds attacking it. And really, this has happened throughout history. As we look back, well, it goes on in verse 8, and it describes a little bit of these false shepherds. It says, all who came before me, talking about the false shepherds, are thieves and robbers. And then in verse 10, he says again, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jewish history, history, Israel's history, was filled with these false shepherds. They were put in positions of power to care for God's sheep, to tend God's sheep, to love God's sheep. But they exploited God's sheep. This chapter, John 10, actually mirrors Ezekiel 34 really closely. It's really interesting if you have time to read through John 10, read through Ezekiel 34, and see how John 10 is the fulfillment of what is being spoken in Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 was written about 600 years prior to Christ's ministry. And the Babylonians had come in and conquered the people of God. And they had started to disperse the leaders. And, and, and Ezekiel is writing this to tell them, why is it that God let the Babylonians conquer you? Why is it that God did this? And this is what we read. So you can follow along. Ezekiel 34, we're actually going to read from it um, quite extensively today to see the overlap because it fills out the story here in John 10. Ezekiel 34, verse 2. Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel. This would include the kings, the priests, the religious leaders. Shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? In other words, shouldn't your position of authority be to serve, not to be served? Verse 3. You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, and sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. These are things that good shepherds do. And then he goes on, he says, And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, exiled in Babylon, in, in the Babylonian Empire. Because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains 
and on every hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. And then he gives this summary in verse 7 through 8. He says, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds had not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds had fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. And then here's the judgment. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. So Jesus says the sheep pen of Judaism is filled with these false shepherds that only look out for themselves. Now this is said in the context of John 9. Uh, John 10 comes right after John 9. And if you remember in John 9, it was a man who was born blind. Jesus healed the man. His, his neighbors were ecstatic. They brought him to the religious leaders, to the Pharisees, and say, look what God has done. He has healed this man. And do you remember the religious leaders' response, the Pharisees' response? It was not joy. It was how did this happen? What did, what did Jesus do to heal you? And they used this miracle of God, this joyous celebration to bring judgment. They kicked this man out of the synagogue. They said, anyone who trusts Jesus as the Christ will be kicked out of the synagogue, which is basically the end of your financial future, the end of your, your, uh, your relational future, the end of all of your future, okay? So they kicked them out of the synagogue, and then they claimed Jesus was a big sinner because he was a Sabbath breaker, which wasn't true. And it's in this context that Jesus is saying that there are some here that are false shepherds, the Pharisees who wage war against me. There are some even today that are false shepherds, that are under shepherds is what the scripture calls them, that, that live and work not to serve the sheep, not to feed the sheep the truth of God, but to exploit the sheep. I had a friend whose dad was uh, poor, beyond poor. And he was constantly asking my friend for money because he had no money. And I asked him, what's going on? Why does he have no money? Does he have no income? He says, no, the government gives him money, but he hears the TV evangelists. And the TV evangelist always says, give money. The more money you give, the more money you'll have. Give me your money. And so he'd always send his money in. And then he'd come to his son and say, I don't have any money. Can I borrow some money? That TV evangelist was filling his own pockets. He was in it for his own gain. He was a false shepherd exploiting the sheep. Now, not all TV evangelists are bad. Please don't hear me say that. And not everyone who asks for money is necessarily bad. But in this case, this guy's primary goal was to get money from the sheep. And so even today, there are those who exploit the sheep. There are many who want to lead us astray from God's word, who want us to, to, to hear the question that Satan asks. Did God really say, fill in the blank? You know, they want to take things that are controversial, that are hard in scripture, and they want us to question it. The exclusivity of Christ as Savior. 
These might be Sunday school teachers, pastors, college teachers that lead us astray from Christ. And so we see the pen of Judaism was full of false shepherds. We also see that Judaism welcomes the good shepherd. Verse 2 says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. In this illustration, the door is simply just a door. Okay, We don't need to make more of it than it is. It's a door. And what we learn here is that the gatekeeper leads, lets the shepherd in. The gatekeeper knows who the shepherd is. It says, come in and claim your sheep. Thirdly, we see the good shepherd leads his sheep out of the sheep pen of Judaism. John 10, 3, it continues. It says, to him, the shepherd, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. What beautiful imagery that the shepherd calls out to his sheep, that he knows his sheep by name, that he calls them. And not only does the good shepherd know his sheep, but his sheep know him. They know his voice and they follow him. And they, he leads them into good shepherd into good pastures. This thought of hearing the voice of the shepherd and responding and following him has a fancy theological term called effectual calling. The Westminster Larger Catechism sums it up for us. It's not, the Westminster isn't a Bible, but it's a summary of theology from Scripture. And so it's not inerrant, but it is very helpful for us. And we're thinking through what does it mean to be effectually called? And it's put in a question-answer format. And so the question is, what is effectual calling? And the answer goes like this. And this is what we see in John, John 10. Effectual calling is the work of God's almighty power and grace, whereby out of his free and special love to his sheep, I replaced, that was the word elect, I put sheep, same thing, out of his free and special love to his sheep, and from nothing in them moving him thereunto, he does in his accepted time invite and draw them to Jesus Christ by his word and spirit, savingly enlightening their minds, renewing and powerfully determining their wills, so as they, although in themselves dead in sin, are hereby made willing and able freely to answer his call and to accept and embrace the grace offered and conveyed therein. Before Trish and I had kids, we had two dogs, Tyson and Dute, and short for Deuteronomy. So we would take, when we were in Columbia, Missouri, these dogs were our kids, and we would take them to the dog park, and we would put them in the back of the pickup truck, and we would drive to the dog park, and we would pull in the parking lot, and as soon as the ignition turned off, they would jump out of the back of the pickup truck, they would run to the dog park, they would go swimming, they would chase each other, they would chase other dogs, they would smell other dogs, you know, they're having fun, right? They're out there having fun doing what dogs do, and after we were there for 30 or 40 minutes... Trish or I would yell, Tyson, dude, time to go home. Come on, let's go, boys. We knew them by name. They knew our voice. No other dogs came. 
Just Tyson and Duquesne because they were our dogs. You know, same thing happens today with our kids. We'll be at a playground and there will be tons of kids and we'll say, Corbin, Caleb, Chris, and Cooper, time to go. Our kids come. None of the other kids come. Just our kids come because they know our voice and we know their name. This is the picture of God's love for his sheep. He comes and he calls you by name. He calls you to come and follow him out of this sheepfold into another sheepfold in which Jesus is the good shepherd. You are not just a social security number to him. Jesus Christ, the one who created the world, the word who became flesh, the one who was born of the Virgin Mary, Jesus who healed the blind, healed the sick, healed the lame, Jesus who died and rose again and ascended to heaven and is seating at the right hand of God, orchestrating all things on this earth. That Jesus knows you by name. He knows his sheep by name. He loves them and he calls them to himself. Maybe you're here today and you are sick of your sheep pen. (laughs) You're sick of the life that you have built. You have seen the emptiness of it. And yet today you are hearing the call of your Savior. Your heart is warming to his plea to come and follow me. Today could be the day that you could follow the shepherd into a glorious sheep pen, which we will talk about later. So the first pen is the pen of Judaism, which has false shepherds that seek to destroy. The pen of Judaism, which welcomes the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And the pen of Judaism in which the good shepherd leads his sheep out of to another pen because they know his voice and he knows them by name. Now there's a second sheep pen, okay? And in this sheep pen, it appears in verse 16. You can read along with me. It says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Now Jesus is talking about the Gentiles, all right? And again, Gentiles are just non-Jews, which are most of us. So he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, just like the other sheep. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. So let me summarize it. So there is the sheep pen of the Jews, and there's the sheep pen of the Gentiles. And Christ says, I go into both, and I call my sheep by name, and I lead them out, and I bring them to another sheep pen, to one flock with one shepherd. I actually have another quote from Ezekiel 34. I'm going to skip it and go ahead and move forward because we're running short on time. But as you look at this passage in your communion groups, read through Ezekiel 34 and see the connection with John 10. Last summer, um, my wife and I, well, my wife called me. I was at Walmart checking out and she called me and she said, I lost Carissa or I can't find Carissa. She's our daughter. She was two or three at the time. And we weren't really worried at that point in time because Carissa has a history of going to the park across the street or breaking into the neighbor's house to get some gum. And so we thought, you know what? We can find Carissa. It's going to be okay. Well, she calls me back five minutes later and says, I can't find Carissa anywhere. So at that point, I get in the car and I race home. We're looking for Carissa throughout all the neighborhood. We're calling her. We're yelling for her. Our neighbor is is look, going up and down the street looking for her. Finally, our neighbor, Farmer Dave, goes down the street. He sees a police car and they say, are you looking for a curly head girl? And he said, why, yes, I am. 
And so he comes back and he tells me she's down at the end of the street. So I hop in my car and I drive down as fast as I can to get there. And there's my Carissa girl. She had walked right down the street in bare feet, quarter of a mile. And someone picked her up and brought her in, called the police, which was good. God searches for his sheep. It doesn't matter what pen you are in, what house you are in. God searches out his sheep because he loves you. He delights in you and he calls you by name and he says, come and follow me. Let's look at the third sheep pen. This is the pen that he calls us to, the pen of Christ. I talked about before in the first five verses, it's a city pen, okay? It's an it's a urban pen. Well, now Jesus moves the metaphor to a rural sheep pen, and there's some major differences. And again, I have many pictures for you here today. The rural sheep pen had no gatekeeper, okay? So can you put up a few of these? So you'll see this is a picture of a rural pen. There's just a heap of rocks and a big opening. There's no door to these rural sheep pens. Go ahead and go to the next one. Here's another one made of sticks. Go ahead and go to the next one. Here's another one. I probably put too many pictures in here. Go ahead and go to the next one. So you see these are everywhere. These are the the rural sheep pens. Go ahead and keep going. And you see with all of these, there's no door. There's no gate. There's just an opening. And here is the final one. And so when Jesus says, I am the door, he's saying, I am the door to this sheep pen. This is how they would act. They would go to, they would bring their sheep out into the rural area so that they could feed and they would put them in these sheep pen at night and they would sit at the door to guard the sheep, to keep the enemy out and to keep the sheep in. And Jesus says, I am the door. What does it mean that Jesus is the door? Well, James Montgomery Boyce pulls out three things that this means. And I think it's very helpful. They all start with a letter S. Anyone who enters through the door, Jesus, will be safe. Anyone who enters through the door, Jesus, will be satisfied. And anyone who enters through the door, Jesus, will be saved. I want to briefly look through those. First, anyone who enters through the door, Jesus, will be safe. Look in verse 8 with me. It says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And so the shepherd, through his Holy Spirit, protects his sheep from false shepherds, from false teaching. Verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. Now this this phrase in and out might seem confusing, like the shepherds letting them go and bringing them back. But what this is an expression of is safety. You know, a few days ago on Friday, I believe it was, Boston was in a lockdown in which everyone had to stay in their house because everyone was afraid there was an enemy out there. But when the enemy was captured, They're allowed to go free. They're allowed to go in and out. And so when Jesus said, you are my sheep, you can go in and out. He's saying it is safe. It is secure under the watchful eye of your shepherd. There is safety when you enter through the door, Jesus. There is also satisfaction when you enter through the door, Jesus. Verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Palestine was a barren area. And so Christ promises to feed his sheep in green fields. I will read this passage from Ezekiel 34, verse 14. He says, I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture, they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. 
I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. In Philippians 4.19, Paul says to the Philippians, he says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ. This does not mean that you will have all the money in the world or that you will have the car that you want, but it means that you will not lack any good thing because Christ provides for his sheep. His sheep are satisfied. It goes on in John 10 and says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But here the contrast. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know, you may be here and you may see the calling of Christ. And you may say, I don't want that. That's not life abundant. That's such a drag. It's so boring. It's just moralism, behavior modification. I don't want that. I want to live a little bit. I want to wait till I get older and then trust in Christ. And then I will get serious about my faith. But Christ says, listen, outside of me, there is no abundant life. You can chase after career. You can chase after family. You can chase after women. You can chase after men. But that is not abundant life. And you will continue to search. But if you want abundant life, if you want satisfaction, you must enter through me, Jesus says. You must enter through the door. Finally, we see that anyone who enters through the door of Jesus will be saved. You know, we asked the question earlier, how do we get into this flock? How do we get into this people of God with the riches and blessings of Christ? How do we make the cut? Well, every religion has an answer to this. And their answer goes something like this. You need to be a really good person. You need to be acceptable before God. You need to be an honorable person, a person of distinction, someone that God would say, I want them a part of my flock. Others would say, you have to to be contemplative. You have to think. You have to know what's going on. You have to be serious about your religion, and then God will let you in. But Christianity is much different because the door isn't knowledge. The door isn't conduct. The door is the person. The door is the good shepherd. I got this cross from one of my friends who went on vacation and uh, he brought it back to me and it actually hangs on our, in our kitchen. You may have seen it before, but on this cross, if you can't see it too clear, and actually I think we have a picture of it, Cassie, if you want to put it up, but there's a doorknob and there's hinges. Jesus says, I am the door. It is only through me. There are no other doors in this sheep pen. There's only one door, Right? He doesn't say, I am a door. He says, I am the door. And if you want to be a part of this covenant community, this beautiful community in which you experience salvation, satisfaction, safety, it is only through the door, Jesus Christ, that you can gain those things. Let me end with this. When we were um, on vacation early March, we went to a hotel in Sandusky, Ohio, that had a water park. And outside this water park, there was an indoor water park, there was an arcade. And in the arcade, there was this big window where you could go and you could see everything in there, kind of, sort of, right? So you could see that there was a wave pool and there was a little kiddie slide and there were some big slides and there was there was even a tube slide where it pushed you down and thrust you up and you went around in this circle. And so you could see all these things. But you had to go through the door to experience them. 
There was only one entrance. And once you went in, you didn't just see him. You got to experience them. Jesus Christ says, I am the door. Are you sitting outside? Are you waiting outside the door? Because he invites you to come and enter, to experience life abundantly. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you that there is a door. We praise you that we are not walled off from this glorious people of God, that you have provided a way, you have provided yourself, you died on the cross to take our sins because we all like sheep have gone astray and you provided the way of salvation. And we praise you for that, God. We pray that we will recognize the glory of being a part of your sheepfold. And if there's anyone here who does not know you, God, we pray that they would enter the door. They would enter through you to enjoy the delight of being one of your sheep. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.